0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: back and better than ever. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Busy, busy day, wall to wall. Pro football on this Monday, coast to coast, and delighted that you are here. In just a moment, my hot takes. My top three takes coming off of yesterday in the NFL, and then after I give you mine, you'll give me yours. We'll be opening up the phones in just a few. I'll explain exactly how. Bubba, Nuno, and Cliff standing by behind the glass with me here this morning as we are busy and thrilled that you are there. But before I get to the hot takes, I wanted to start with what I think was the most important story from the NFL yesterday, and it doesn't, it doesn't fit neatly into the hot take box because it is more of a nuanced thought. The hot take today would be the Ravens will never win anything with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. The hot take will be Lamar Jackson can't beat good teams, and of course... History shows he hasn't. But there's a big difference between can't and hasn't. So I wanted to open with a more nuanced take on yesterday's Steelers-Ravens, which was, it probably was the best game of the day. And it certainly was, I think, the most interesting and the most revealing because the Steelers are the best team in the NFL. It's my opinion. I've been telling you that since August. They are the most complete team in the NFL. And the Ravens ran for 265 yards against that defense yesterday. I don't know if this can be looked up. It just jumped into my head. But Nuno or Bubs, anybody, reach out. What is the percentage? of when you run for over a certain number of yards in an NFL game, what percentage of the time does a team lose? What percentage in the last 10 years, 20 years, the history of the NFL, does a team rush for over 250 yards and lose a game? Very rare. And it only happens, for the most part, when you turn the football over. And that's what happened yesterday. Lamar Jackson threw a pick six in the first minute of the game. His team and himself then stabilized, took control of the game, up 17-7 in the third quarter. Steelers' offense has been non-existent. Non-existent. Roethlisberger did nothing in the first half against that Raven defense yesterday. And then deep in his own territory, Lamar makes the one mistake you cannot make. And it completely changes the game. He throws the pick onto the underneath linebacker. Ben hits Ebron. And now it's back and forth and back and forth. And the Steelers wind up getting the win on the road. And it is a very important game. And by now, you've seen what all the people are saying. Well, Lamar can't do it. There's a big difference between can't and hasn't. So I'm going to rephrase all of those headlines and all of those very clickable little thoughts. Lamar Jackson hasn't proven that he can beat the big teams. The Ravens haven't proven that they can win a championship playing this style and with this quarterback. It's not that they can't. So my hot take today is by no means that we need to start feeling really worried about Lamar Jackson. None of the thoughts that I've had about Lamar Jackson necessarily have to change. But here's why I wanted to open with it, because this is nuanced. I will admit, my confidence is shaken. Yesterday shook my confidence. I have been a huge Lamar Jackson believer going all the way back to the beginning I was telling you last year before the season started, I give credit where it's due, my friend Rich Eisen, I was on his show, and he was raving about what that offense was going to be. And when I started watching it, I started doing essays on television, on Get Up, about how it's one of the greatest seasons any quarterback has ever had. And I did all of these commentaries after they lost the playoff game about how Peyton Manning started his postseason career 0-3, and Lamar was only 0-2 and only 23 years old, and all the rest of it. And I take back not a word of it. And I have by no means abandoned ship on the player or the team. But I would be lying if I didn't say my confidence was shaken. Yesterday shook my confidence because that was the opposite of what I expected. That was a great spot for the Ravens to get a win. They're playing at home, whatever exactly that means in 2020. I know it isn't the same home field advantage you usually get. They had a bye To lead into it, so two weeks to prepare and rest. The Steelers, meanwhile, are coming off of a rescheduled game against Tennessee. They didn't get a bye. They won't have a bye. They played a tough, hard-nosed physical game that they barely won at the end against the Titans. Everything was pointing to the Ravens winning this game, and they did everything else right. They ran it down their throats, and their defense was basically pitching a shutout at halftime. And then they had to overcome the mistakes of their quarterback and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And when it gets into a shootout at the end, no one is going to say that's the ideal place for Lamar Jackson in this offense to be. So my hot take, if you will, and it isn't, I'm not putting it in that form today, my perception of the situation is as follows. Anyone who says to you, the Ravens can't win with Lamar, correct them. They just haven't. Anyone who says Lamar Jackson can't win the big game and can't win a championship playing the way he does, correct them. You don't know that he can't. You just know that he hasn't. And I still believe he will. And I still believe they will. And I still believe in what they're doing there. But I'd be lying if I said my confidence wasn't shaken. Oh, by the way, the Steelers are going to be 10-0 when they get to Thanksgiving. They have three ridiculously winnable games in a row. And then they get the Ravens again, this time in Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving night. That could be special. And the Steelers are the best and most complete team in the NFL. It doesn't necessarily mean they're the favorite to make it to the Super Bowl because in Kansas City, they have Patrick Mahomes. Right now, those to me look like the only two teams I could see coming out of the AFC. Let me see. I'm going to have to see it at this point with Lamar and the Ravens offense to do it in a big game. I don't buy the Colts. I don't buy anybody in the AFC East. I've I, I totally punted on Tennessee. I see two teams. It's Kansas City 1, Pittsburgh 2 as the favorites in the AFC because of the quarterback. But the Steelers are the best and most complete team in the NFL. That's where it begins. We'll get to the hot takes in a minute here. And after I give you mine, I want yours. So let's load them up. It's time for you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. My phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football is back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Line them up now, 888-SAY-ESPN. I want your hottest takes coming out of yesterday in the NFL. Bubba, right now, let me do mine. Number three. Starting at number three, and I will take them in descending order of importance. At number three. The Packers are blowing it, blowing it for the second time in six months. Well, actually, it's a lot more than that. And I'm no longer holding back. I've been saying things like this for months. Now they have 24 hours to right this wrong. You have a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback who's playing at his absolute peak. He is proving that he's still in his prime. Aaron Rodgers is more than good enough to be winning a championship, and you're blowing it around him. Have you watched your defense? The Packer defense yesterday was an embarrassment, and they've given up huge rushing yards in both of their losses, including what Dalvin Cook did to them yesterday, which was humiliating. But New Orleans ran all over him, and Tampa ran all over him, and San Francisco in the championship game last year ran all over him. They need linebackers. And someone wake up the front office in Green Bay. Yesterday, Avery Williamson, who's a good linebacker who would help that team enormously, got traded from the Jets to the Steelers for a fifth-round pick in 2022. Where are you, Green Bay front office? Do something. And Aaron Rodgers needs more help on the offensive side, too. I told you last week, call up Houston, whoever's making the decisions there. Romeo Cornell, I don't know. Whoever the heck it is who's making the decisions in Houston, and find out what it's going to take to get Will Fuller. Put Will Fuller on the other side from Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers needs help. You shouldn't be thinking about turning the page when you have a quarterback like that. 30 teams in the NFL would kill to have him. And the Packers are the only ones who can't decide how quickly they can get rid of him and move on to the next. So maybe if the absolute best case scenario, you have another really good quarterback who only wins one championship. You only won one with Favre, like the the most iconic quarterback of his generation. And now you've got Rodgers, who might be the best that ever played and you've gotten them to one championship, do something, Green Bay. What are you doing? You have one day to do it. Get it right. You need something on defense, and you need something on offense. If they don't do something between now and then, they have no chance, no chance of winning the Super Bowl this year. And that would be a huge miss. You have that quarterback and a good enough team around him to not make the move or two to try and win the championship now because you're so busy building for the future. You drafted your scout team quarterback in the first round. Do something, Green Bay. This is the time. Baba, next. Number two. My number two hot take is this. The NFC East should forfeit their playoff spot. Just do us all a favor. Don't make us sit through that playoff game. Because last night was one of the truly terrible football games you've ever seen in your life. Eagles Cowboys last night the battle for first place in the NFC East was just ridiculous horrendous and what has happened to Carson Wentz they found him a receiver Travis Fulgham those two guys seem to have found something since he came into the league for whatever this is worth since he started playing for them five weeks ago whatever it is I saw field Yates posted he actually has the best numbers of any receiver in the NFL so why is their offense so awful that was a game last night against a defense that gives up 100 points to everybody. We were talking about the Cowboy defense like it was the worst team ever. They made Wentz look bad last night. Wentz is something is wrong. And the Eagles just look terrible. They're going to win that division by default. Because Wentz is the best quarterback in a terrible division. Ben DiNucci looking like Kenta Colvi, I've never seen an NFL quarterback throw the ball that way. That's a very dated reference only the people in the audience my age will get. But you know what I mean. It's like a submarine pitcher. So the Cowboys are, are, are a travesty. They're terrible. Washington is terrible. The Giants are playing Tampa tonight. So Philadelphia wins that division by absolutely by default. But they don't belong in the playoffs. So my hot take number two is they should do us a favor. The NFC East should just, if nominated, they should not serve. They should forfeit their playoff spot this year. Because no team in that division, no team belongs in the playoffs. Bubba, one more. Number one. DK Metcalf is the most exciting player in the NFL. I'll tell you who he reminds me of. DK Metcalf reminds me of Michael Vick and Randy Moss. Because those are the only two guys I can think of in recent memory. Who, when you watch them, you said, in a league-filled with athletic impossibility, like just impossibly great athletes, D.K. Metcalf stands out. To stand out on that field from those guys, every single person on that field is a freakish athlete. To stand out from them to be so much more dynamic athletically than the rest, as Michael Vick once was, and as Randy Moss once was, is almost impossible to do. But D.K. Metcalf does it. And he's 23 years old. The whole league passed on that guy. We put up a full screen this morning on Get Up of all the receivers that were drafted ahead of him in the draft. Boy, are they all going to regret that. How would he look in a Patriot uniform right now instead of Nikhil Harry, whom the Patriots took in the first round? And Metcalf lasted all the way to the second because he ran a bad shuttle test. DK Metcalf is on his way to being the best receiver in the whole sport if he isn't already that. And he is the most exciting player to watch right now. Those are my hot takes coming out of a Sunday in the National Football League. Greeting with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll get Dan Orlovsky's thoughts a little later on the uh, Shell Pennzoil performance on. But right now, it's time for your takes. I'm coming to the phones at 888-SAY-ESPN, and I want them hot. I want to hear your number one hot take coming out of yesterday in the NFL. And it starts with John. John, you're on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. John, what's your hot take?
0: Thanks, Granny. Thanks for taking my call. I think the Ravens are going to be in deep trouble. I think the Steelers have a, a beat up team that came after uh, after just got done playing a fiscal Tennessee uh, Titans game. They were, you know, sleepwalking through the first half, but they figured out their defense. They know how to play Lamar. It'll be a copycat league. They're going to give the running backs uh, the next few pitches. They're going to give the running backs all they need. They're not going to let uh, Jackson do anything with his legs, at least not kill him, and they're going to make him throw the ball because it is, I think they're going to have an issue with their quarterback and there's going to be some sort of controversy within the next two or three weeks. All right, we'll see.
1: It's not exactly a hot take, John. I understand what you're saying and I understand your concern. And I opened the show this morning by saying that my confidence, while remaining somewhat intact on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, was shaken. And I'm going to need them to do something on Thanksgiving night. But we're looking for hot takes. Give me something we can sink our teeth into. Brian, you're on the shelf. Excuse me, you're on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Brian, what's your hot take? Hey, Greeny, with the team he has around him and with the results he has already given, Joe
0: Burrow is a top five NFL MVP candidate right now.
1: All right, I love it. I love it. Now let's think that one through. Hashtag Bob a top five MVP candidate right now. If they'd found a way to win one or two of those games that they easily could have. If they'd beaten Cleveland, what are they right now? 2-5 and 1. I'm doing this in my head. I don't have it in for the 2-5 and 1, right? So, if he finds if he had found a way to win that game, I just don't think that Listen, I'm not arguing with you. He's going to break the rookie quarterback passing record for yardage. He's on pace to break that a record held by Andrew Luck. His moxie, his toughness, his leadership and his talent have risen what was last year for the first 12, 13 weeks as bad a team as there was in the NFL. They looked, Last year, they looked like the Jets look right now. And he has absolutely risen that team, lifted the entire level. I think he's lifted the entire city in terms of a sports perspective. I love it. I'd have to sit here and think about it. Would he make your top five MVP list? It's not crazy. It's exactly what the hot takes have been is meant to be I love the take thank you for the call 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number Kevin you're next on the Dr. Pepper call in line Kevin what's your hot take
0: hey Greeny Um, my hot take is that the Bears are better off with Mitchell Trubisky they keep on calling bootlegs with an immobile Nick Foles and Nick Foles game has just been really really ugly so far with the Bears
1: yes that's an excellent call and I'm going to push that one back a little bit later in the hour because I want to make sure we have plenty of time to talk about it but that is coming Dan said it on Get Up this morning, and I agree. What the Bears have done to their own quarterback situation, and it is of their own making, is a perfect example of how organizations screw things up. The Bears have screwed things up. They've taken a round hole and a square peg and tried to put them together, and that never works. And that is an organizational failure. So yes, they should be playing Mitchell Trubisky. They should never have stopped playing Trubisky. They should have built an offense around him that actually is tailored to his skill set. But you brought in a coach who wanted nothing to do with that. And that's why you wind up where you are now, where your offense looks worse no matter who you put out there. At the end of the day, it's the organization's fault and the coach. That's an excellent take. I'm going to get back to it a little bit later. I have a lot of thoughts on the Bears and their quarterback situation. 888-SAY-ESPN. Seth, you're next on ESPN Radio. What's your hot take, Seth?
0: Hey, Grinny, thanks again for taking my call. Today, my hot take is the Dallas Cowboys are officially worse than the, than the Jets. That game last night was absolutely atrocious. You cannot score
1: three field goals on the Eagles this year. That's it. It was yeah, absolutely a mess. I, I appreciate the call, and but that's too hot to a take. No one who has seen the Jets play football this year will agree with that. The Jets are the worst team in the NFL, and, and the way they play, I'm not convinced they would win the SEC. The Cowboys are injured beyond imagination. I mean, they're playing their third quarterback. So with Ben DiNucci at quarterback, you may be right. If the Cowboys played the Jets with Ben DiNucci as their quarterback, maybe the Jets beat them like two to nothing. But yes, you're, you're, the larger point you're trying to make, which is that the Cowboys are just unimaginably terrible, is accurate. Since, in the three games that they have played since Dak went down, they have scored a total of one touchdown. That came with three minutes left in a game. They were trailing 31-3 to at the time to Arizona. So they have not scored a meaningful touchdown in any of the three games they've played since Dak went down. Oh, by the way, they were like leading the league in scoring. Where were they in scoring offense when Dak went down? No one's stock has risen more than Dak Prescott's stock has risen since he got hurt. Those are outstanding hot takes, and I thank everybody for the calls. We have time for one more. You have one more, Bubba? Oh, right, let's do one more. You leave the music. You got it? Go ahead. Show me the name. Who you got there? Ryan, you're last up. You're the cleanup hitter. Ryan, give me a hot take. Hey, Granny. Ryan from Texas. I hate to say it, but after last night's debacle, the Washington football team will win the NFC East. Rally around <laughs> by Riverboat Ron. And uh, they'll end up winning the NFC East. You know, I mean, that game, they, the one game they lost, which was to the Giants, where they went for the two and the win at the very end, could wind up making the difference. If they send that game to overtime, they maybe they win it. They wind up losing on a two-point conversion. For those of you who didn't watch it, A, congratulations, because it set football back about 50 years. But when Washington lost to the Giants, the only game the Giants have won, it may wind up being the only one they win all year, Washington scored a touchdown that put them within one at the very end, and they went for the two in the win. Riverboat Ron. That loss might wind up being what keeps them out of the division. I don't know what the heck is going to happen there. But I opened the show by saying the NFC should do us all a favor and just forfeit their spot in the playoffs. And I wasn't even fully kidding. Thank you for the calls. We'll do more later. I appreciate the hot takes. I am Greeny, and I am presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating cars to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at keystoprogress.com. I have a lot more thoughts on that Bears quarterback situation. We will get to that. And coming up next, I will explain how we saw the greatest era of all time come to an end right before our eyes. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: We had a Cam Newton fumble in the red zone in the final half minute of play. That situation with the game on the line. You know, I'm I'm dominantly right-handed. It's unacceptable. I got to protect my
1: That was one of the most consequential plays you will see in the NFL this year. Greeny back with you on ESPN Radio at half past the hour. Cam Newton fumbling away what remained of the Patriots' season, putting an end to one of the great dynasties in the history of the sport, once and for all, and putting into serious question whether or not his career as an NFL starting quarterback is over. All those things happened on that one play because any of us who have watched the Patriots all these years knew exactly what was going to happen. No better time than Halloween weekend for them to find a way to be the scariest team in the NFL and to find a way as awful as they looked so much of this season and as awful as their defense looked in moments yesterday getting pushed around in a way that was so unpatriot like To find a way in the second half against a Buffalo team that they have completely dominated for two decades to find a way to get it back to tied not once, but twice, catching up from 14-6, catching up from 21-14. Now you're down three in the final minute. You're in field goal range. The only thing you can't do is turn it over, but you and I aren't thinking game-tying field goal, and neither is Bill Belichick, and neither is Cam Newton. It was so obvious what was going to happen was Newton was going to lead that team to a touchdown. The Patriots were going to have life. They were going to give you a second half of the season. The Bills were going to be confounded and frustrated and worried about their own ability to knock off this team that they just can't beat. And then the ball comes out of his hands. And I will tell you that watching it in my house, I actually yelled aloud. I was that taken aback. And so many things happened in that moment. The Patriots fell three and a half games out in the division for the first time in 20 years. They're done. They're buried. They are functionally three and a half games back of the Bills. They will not win the AFC East this year. And I believe that they may very well trade off a few pieces. Keep a close eye on Foxborough today and tomorrow and see what, if anything, Bill does. He won't be bringing in reinforcements, that for sure. If they do anything, they're going to be selling off pieces. So that's the end of the Patriots, at least at this moment as we've known them. And we will go through a postseason without Bill in it for the first time in a very long time. That's just a piece of it. How about Cam? What exactly does this mean for Cam? Ryan Clark said to me both on and off the air this morning that when that fumble happened, he felt personally sad because it felt like Cam was fumbling away his chance to reclaim some of the glory. And that's probably overstating it. Both of us knew it when we were talking about it. Obviously he will have time. He's not getting benched now and he probably won't for at least a little while. He will have more time to show that he deserves to be someone starter next year whether it's New England's or somebody else. But that was an opportunity. And that ball on his right hand running to the left. And they did a great job my crew did this morning showing you on television how desperately he needs to move that ball to his left hand. So it's his mistake. Ball security at all times is the most important priority. But down three in the final half minute and in field goal range, the most important thing is that you don't turn it over. He did the one thing he couldn't do. So that was an enormously consequential play. All the things that happened in that moment from the end of New England as we've known them to whatever it starts to be again. If they're tearing it all down and starting all over again, I wonder what Bill's appetite for that is at the age of 68. We'll see. I'm not suggesting he's going anywhere. But I'll tell you what, there is, a real, there is real room for criticism of the player acquisition model in New England. They've just flat done a bad job. That's a bad football team, and it was even before all the opt-outs. And Tom Brady covered up for a lot of it. And so now it's over for this year, and let's see what they become. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Greeny with you, brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Proud to serve members of the Armed Forces, DOD, veterans, and their families. Our members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Meanwhile, staying in that division, did you see Shefty's report of yesterday? Fascinating. That at least part of the thinking in the Dolphins making the switch to Tua and away from Ryan Fitzpatrick was that they have Houston's first-round pick this year. And don't look now, but the Texans have only one win. That could wind up being a top five pick. That could wind up being Justin Fields. There is even some scenario, I suppose, in which it could wind up being Trevor Lawrence. And so part of the thinking, according to Sheffield's reporting, in Miami, was that they need to find out whether or not they have their quarterback answered at Tua going forward. And that that was part of the reason they put him out there. And if so, it would not be the first time that a team has put organization above team. That would be putting the organization, the future of the franchise, above the team itself. And if so, it would be a terrible shame if that really is why they did it. They sold everybody that while well, they just believe Tua is going to be better, their ceiling is higher this year with Tua than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And maybe it is. Maybe they're telling us the truth. And if so, then fine. And yesterday was no indication one way or the other of anything. I've never seen a quarterback do less in a game his team won easily. So there's no way to really glean anything about Tua from that. But the reality of the situation is that division is there to be won, and that's a team that can do it. And Brian Flores deserves coach of the year votes. All they've done since he got there is put organization above team, and all he's done is pushed back and said, we're going to win football games. And they've done it extraordinarily well. And they are absolutely in a playoff race. The Bills look eminently vulnerable. They are very beatable. They were fortunate not to lose yesterday to New England. I'm not in any way enamored of the Bills. Bills might win that division by default. But the Dolphins are the team who could do something about it. And so if they really did make the switch from Fitzpatrick because they need to find out now about Tua before they decide what they're going to do with that draft pick next year... I wouldn't love that if I'm a player on that team. And I'd be curious to know how the fans feel. I guess in the long run, if you have a chance to get Justin Fields and you think he's the second coming, or you have a chance to get Trevor Lawrence and everyone seems to think he's the second coming, then you do it, regardless of what you have with Tua, I guess. But I thought Tua was supposed to be that. I thought Tua was the guy who was worth tanking a season for. Is it his hip? Is it now all these questions about his ability, his durability? Might have thought of that before you picked them fifth, because the kid that you passed on the next spot, the Chargers and Justin Herbert, all of a sudden looks awfully good. So let's see what happens there. It's worth keeping a close eye on, but that was a fascinating report from Shefty yesterday, and it had Ryan Clark quite upset today. Bubba, let's play Ryan Clark here. Ryan Clark yesterday on the idea that the Dolphins might have played Tua because they need to figure out about their future. Two wrongs don't make it right. So trying to correct a misdraft or a, a, a bad draft pick by allowing by by allowing your team to fail is not the way to fix it. If you think you're wrong, go ahead and be wrong and use that pick going forward. But don't hurt the men on this team right now, the coaches on this coaching staff that has done such a great job by trying to fill out a quarterback when you have a team that's ready to win everywhere
0: else right now.
1: So that was pick and uh, his take on it, and I think it makes a lot of sense, and we'll see. I I, I believe the Dolphins, they have a a playoff-caliber defense right now. Their defense is really good. They could use a piece or two on offense, but if the quarterback plays well, I think they have a chance. Greeny with you here, and every single week on this program, our friends at Mercedes-Benz Vans ask us to pick someone who went the extra mile this weekend, and today let's give that to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, who yesterday became the first player ever to score a touchdown on each of his team's first four possessions. What he did to the Packers yesterday was an embarrassment to Green Bay at Lambeau Field. But Dalvin Cook was laughing all the way to the fantasy football bank and beyond. He was brilliant yesterday. Went the extra mile. Going the extra mile brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Driver Mercedes-Benz van. Find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. Greenie with you as we continue next. I'll tell you who is really to blame for the debacle in Chicago and a sneaky good contender for MVP.
0: Greenie, the podcast. Grainy with you on ESPN
1: Radio, keeping an eye on any news that comes in. Adam Schefter one minute ago tweeted, the 49ers have traded linebacker Quan Alexander to the Saints. Remember, tomorrow is the trade deadline, so we're going to keep an eye on all of that for you. Any other deals that need to be made? There's another linebacker the Packers didn't get. They didn't get Quan Alexander. They didn't get Avery Williamson. They desperately need to get some help because they have a Super Bowl caliber quarterback and they're not helping him enough. Meanwhile, fascinating stats. Once a week, or even more often than that, actually, our friends at DraftKings ask us to present for you some fascinating stats. They're brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app, and Nuno actually found this for me. Yesterday was the fourth time in history that three teams lost games in which they ran for at least 200 yards. The Ravens rushed for 200 yards yesterday. The Chargers rushed for 200 yards yesterday. The Titans rushed for 200 yards yesterday, and all of them lost. It's the fourth day in history in which three teams lost, despite rushing for 200 yards. The last time it happened was 2013. So it's the first time that's happened in seven years. The previous occasions were in 1978 and 1962. So it doesn't happen often, but it has happened before. Teams running the ball yesterday and losing games. Unusual circumstances. For the Ravens, that was a brutal loss. Speaking of brutal losses, watching the Chicago Bears play offense is painful at times. And I'm going to tell you right now who is to blame for the mess in Chicago. It is the people who decided to hire a square peg when they needed to fill a round hole. Here's the bottom line. There's something known as sunken cost. When you draft Mitchell Trubisky with the second pick in the draft, you cannot look back on that and say, if only we had taken um, Deshaun Watson and or Patrick Mahomes. There's no point in looking back on it, and there's no point of judging it through that prism. It will never, ever possibly live up to that. The pick was not a good one, but that doesn't mean that you don't do everything you can to maximize it. So when you fire the coach one year into the tenure of Mitchell Trubisky, and you go out and you hire a West Coast offense, you go out and you hire an Andy Reid disciple to coach your offense— what you're basically saying is we're going to turn Mitchell Trubisky from what he is. Take the things that we saw in him that made us decide we should take him where we did and ignore those and try and get this coach to coach him up into something else entirely. I don't blame Matt Nagy for not trying to, to use Mitchell Trubisky the way Mitch Trubisky should be used because that's not the way Matt Nagy coaches. It'd be like hiring Mike D'Antoni if you want to play defense. If you want to try and win NBA games 89-87, you don't hire Mike D'Antoni to do it. So you don't hire an Andy Reid disciple if you want to try and play Mitch Trubisky the way he should be played. So the Bears offense should look like Buffalo's offense. They should be building it around the size, the strength, and the athletic ability of their quarterback, and then figure it out around him. But that's not what the coach wants to do. It's not what he ever wanted to do. He couldn't wait to bench the kid. He benched him the first second he could possibly get away with it. He's not going to go away from Nick Foles, because this, at least Nick Foles can play the way Nagy wants the game played. He's just not especially good at it. So what you have now in Chicago is a terrible offense. Terrible. And Foles doesn't look any good, and you've ruined the first kid. So you really don't have anywhere good to turn right now. Meanwhile, you have an excellent defense and a couple of pieces on offense who can play. Robinson can play. They've got some things they could do there. It's an organizational failure is what that is. A a top to bottom organizational failure. Because if Matt Nagy walked in there when he was getting that job and said, I see what Mitchell Trubisky does well. And let me tell you how I'm going to build an offense around it. Then either he lied or Trubisky couldn't do anything. But that clearly isn't the case. We saw some effectiveness out of Trubisky early when they let him play like Josh Allen. Mitch Trubisky should be Josh Allen. And I'm not telling you he could be as good as Josh Allen, but he could be something instead of what he is now, which is waiting to figure out what team he's going to be on the back, a backup for next season. And Nick Foles isn't going to be anything other than that either. And in Chicago, you're still looking for your first quarterback really since Jim McMahon. And it's an organizational failure from top to bottom because the coach didn't have any interest in doing in playing to the skill set of the kid that you drafted number two overall. And so whoever it was that made that decision, that's the person who was to blame for how unwatchable their offense is now. One more for you here, and it's time for some straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No one has had their value more demonstrated this season than Dak Prescott. When Dak Prescott was quarterbacking the Dallas Cowboys, they were one of the highest flying offenses in the league. They were one of the highest scoring teams in the sport. We were talking about how, how desperately he was trying to keep them in games, and we were picking apart all the little things they were getting wrong. Since he's gone out, they have been the worst offense in the sport. They've played three games without him. They've scored one touchdown in those three games, and that one came when they were losing 31-3 to in the final two minutes against Arizona. They've not scored a meaningful touchdown since Dak Prescott got hurt. That was with Dalton, and now with Danucci. So if you're trying to figure out who's the most valuable player in the league, by his absence, you get a sense Dak was pretty darn valuable in Dallas. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right, Dan Orlovsky has thoughts on all of these things. He will join us coming up off the top of the hour here It was actually he who was ranting and raving this morning about Foles and Trubisky. We'll get his thoughts on that. We'll look ahead to an interesting Monday night game tonight and how the Buccaneers and Tom Brady decide to handle it. Plus, we haven't gotten to any of the college football from the weekend. We will do that. It's a busy Monday. I am Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.